Welcome to the Fiverr for Breakfast podcast, a series that discusses Fiverr as the critical infrastructure for today's growing broadband needs. Listen in as Gary Bolton, CEO and President of the Fiverr Broadband Association, speaks with industry thought leaders and experts about connectivity issues and the impact on the remote workplace. I hope you enjoy today's discussion, which will start momentarily. And remember, subscribe and like this podcast on your favorite platform. This week's Fiverr for Breakfast brought to you by our platinum sponsor, Wesco. Well, good morning, everyone, and welcome to the Fiverr Broadband Association's Fiverr Breakfast. We're now in our 43rd episode of 2023. Before we kick off, I'd like to thank Wesco, the platinum sponsor of Fiverr Breakfast, and our gold sponsor, Network Connects. Yesterday, we held our final regional Fiverr Connect workshop for 2023 in Minneapolis. What a fantastic turnout. And as part of our Minneapolis workshop, we had an excellent tribal broadband panel with representatives from the, the Leech Lake Band of Ujibi. I don't know if I, Robert, you're gonna have to help me pronounce these right. The Lower Sioux Indian Community and the Fond du Lac Band of Lake Superior Chippewa. The Regional Fiber Connect workshops have been a great success in meeting with communities and community leaders that do not know FBA, but are looking to participate in the numerous funding programs to get fiber to their community. As we're all, FBA will be holding Fiber Connect workshops in Richmond, Virginia um, on February 8th, in Little Rock, Arkansas on April 16th, in Deer Valley in Park City, Utah on June 4th, in Des Moines, Iowa on September 10th, and in Albuquerque, New Mexico on November 7th. So we hope you'll be able to join us for at least one or more of these regional events. You know, these regional events are in addition to our highly attended annual Fiber Connect 24 conference that will be held in Nashville from July 28th to 31st. So lots gonna be going on in 2024. The Fiber Broadband Association also kicked off its inaugural 2023 Fiber Deployment Cost Studies um, Survey. This survey is to understand the cost of deploying fiber in various geographic and construction scenarios. The survey results will be um, analyzed and aggregated in a published report in December with the goal of providing the industry with reliable and accurate cost benchmarks. If you're interested in participating in the survey, you can find the link uh, to the survey in our chat or on the screen. So please, uh, I hope you guys can participate. That brings us to today's Fiber Breakfast session with the Fiber Broadband Association's Tribal Broadband Chairs, Sachin Gupta from CentralNet and Rob Griffin from the Choctaw Nation to discuss tribal broadband opportunities and challenges. Last week on Fiber Breakfast, we had the pleasure of hearing from Nicole Barbaras from IonQ who discussed quantum computing impact and its implication for solving complex problems. This was the second episode in our quantum series I received a lot of positive feedback from the session and on our quantum series in general. It's just amazing to see how fiber is ushering in the quantum age. Today on Fiber Breakfast, our guests are the Fiber Broadband Association's tribal broadband chairs, Sachin Gupta from CentralNet and Robert Griffin from the Choctaw Nation discuss tribal, tribal broadband opportunities and challenges. Sachin, Gupta is the Director of Government, Business, and Economic Development for CentraNet, and Robert Griffin is the Tribal Broadband Coordinator for the Choctaw Nation's Government Division. Both Robert and Sachin serve as the co-chairs of the Fiber Broadband Association's 
tribal broadband working group in which we have 27 tribes that have become members this year. Uh, the fire broadband tribal um, broadband working group is growing very quickly. Sutton and Robert are both seasoned professionals in the technology and telecommunications industry and bring a wealth of expertise to their respective roles. Sutton, with 18 years of experience in product management, business development, and marketing, has a proven track record of advocating for smart defense and security solutions, engaging with government officials globally, and speaking at conferences on technical, legislative, and regulatory issues. Robert, a Choctaw Nation member, has spent over two decades designing, implementing, and managing technology solutions for various organizations, including tribal, federal, state, government, commercial enterprises, and Fortune 500 carriers. Together, their combined expertise and dedications make some invaluable assets in their respective fields. So welcome, Sachin and Robert. And for our audience, please type in your questions as we go, and we'll work them into the Q&A at the end. With that, I'd like to hand it over to Sachin and Robert. Thank you, Gary. Uh, Rob, I'm guessing you are the one who goes first uh, uh, on the slides. I can do that. So hello to everyone. It is great to be able to talk about what we're doing in the Choctaw Nation and our reservation. Just a little bit about myself. I'm from a clan of 19 from northern Mississippi that was relocated from that location to a far southwestern corner in Oklahoma, just outside of what you call Smithville, Oklahoma today. And with the Choctaw Reservation, we cover about 10 and a half counties throughout southeastern Oklahoma, which is pretty close to the size of Massachusetts. Of course, we have many unserved and underserved areas that have no connectivity or very little connectivity, even by satellite. And so, you know, most of our area has less than 25 meg of download speed. So it really makes it a challenge to have good connectivity that is reliable for all the right reasons. Looking on here, you can see even with our FCC map challenges that go into place, and we look at the map that it, as it exists today, we are actually working on our own portal that will look at all of the existing awards for companies throughout the United States that cover this quadrant. And we are also tracking any new awards that come into place so that we know all the carriers that exist within our boundaries and are able to provide services. So on the next slide here, we'll talk about the way that we're set up and the way that we interact. We have a lot of tourism through our state parks and lakes. We also have a cultural center that allows us to have visitors from all across the world be able to come in and see how the Choctaw Nation began. We work with our small, small business development team and community development team through a, a select group of individuals that go out to the communities, the municipalities, the fire stations, all first responders and work to help develop continuity between the Choctaw Nation and all of those businesses and folks out there. We even provide roads, bridges, and are able to help support fire departments through the building of new, new facilities. We also have our own healthcare facilities, which covers about 32 locations across the southeastern location here, as well as agriculture, which includes access to our cattle ranches, our buffalo ranches and other types of facilities are in place. With our education, we're always trying to find better ways to connect. We even have our own school of grades one through 12 
that we have chopped on members that are housed there throughout the year, throughout the school year with events and other connectivity with other BOTECs and colleges and universities in the area. And of course, we support major manufacturing throughout the region, which includes major, major manufacturers, Fortune 50 companies that are in the locations, as well as small businesses and everything in between. And of course, telecommunications on the next slide. As we work to provide services for all the carriers that are out there, these all include 10, over 10 internet service providers that are in the reservation space. These are independent telcos, wireless ISPs, rural electric co-ops, which we have one that has started to provide internet services today via new fiber build-outs with XGS. And so with that, there are also additional electric co-ops that are looking to get into the space and have reached out to us on how we can support that. And so what we do is we reach out and we are reached out to with letters of support requests and we help fulfill those by submitting them to our chief who signs off on that. And as we look through our award letters, we're able to support well over 13 letters in the past quarter for new build out coming up in the next several years. We have also acquired 2.5 Spectrum that allows us to reach out to members via wireless connectivity. All of those towers that we have in place today already have fiber connectivity, but we're looking to build out more towers to extend that coverage area. And of course, we're always looking to be able to build our own applications through NTIA with the TBCP, which Sachin is gonna talk a little bit about that here in a minute. And then also working with our state representatives on the bead funding that's coming out, including USDA Reconnect Fund, which we've applied for, and then the USDA Community Connect Fund, which we are awarded, which we call our company Chata Connect. We have a small area in Hodgin, Oklahoma, which is south of Poto, south of Hedner, and south there is the Hodgin community location. And in that community, before we actually brought fiber into the region and are now working to serve 400 homes, there was no connectivity. The school facility had no connectivity, so we're providing that to them today at no charge. We're also working with the DOC Depre Department of Correctional Facility to provide them connectivity, as well as other businesses that come into the area. And so our goal is that as we provide this additional fiber connectivity, that more folks will move into the area, build housing addition additions, and grow the area significantly. So on the next slide here, we'll talk more about how we're set up. We have 17 community centers, and as you can see, you know, we have a variety of different ways that we can connect. We can either work with existing partners or we can build our own fiber. So about six years ago, we decided we need to have all of our community centers connected. We have 17 of them that cover our reservation. And one of the reasons that we decided to do this and we started this project is because we wanted to deliver a message from our chief at Thanksgiving lunch. And of course, our chief can't be in 17 places at once, even though he tries. He would like to make sure that simultaneously his message is delivered to wish everyone a happy Thanksgiving, as well as many other messages. So we deliver our Labor Day address, our holiday addresses, and then we're also staying in communication via our chief's office with these fiber direct connections. So we went out to a company based in Oklahoma City 
we built and designed a network that we could carry high-speed connectivity up to one gig to each location. With that, we're also able to do other things besides carry just the message. One of those things is to be able to provide a location for our employees to have interviews. And if you think about it, employees that live on the reservation may not have enough money to put in their gas tank to be able to drive 60, 80, 100 miles to a job interview. So what we do is we make it available that they can come in, they can get some clothing that has been donated for them to do a job interview, and then we connect them on this high-speed internet connection delivered via fiber. And with that, they can find out if they're successful in the interview process, and if not, find another employer to interview with, and sometimes that employer is even ourselves. So it helps the person that's in that local location to be able to conduct a very successful interview. We also have streaming of additional Choctaw events, which we have multiple CrossFit centers across the 17 locations and the reservation, and these are competitive events. We also help and can help support digital equity in the future. So as we deliver fiber to those remote areas that have no access, and we need to start training the individuals, whether it's our members or folks from the community, we can actually have a location that they can come in and get access to the internet, we can have personnel available to help train them or have other companies come in and help train them as well. So with that, we've connected all of our community centers via fiber. We have one left that we're connecting later this fall. You know, with that, we're able to be able to support an area called our Daisy Ranch. And with an award from the government a few years ago, we have been able to create a national emerging, emerging aviation test bed so we can conduct RTDNE at this location and since there is very little light um, traffic within that area we can do things that you know other airspace locations would not allow so for instance if you want to test a drone going a hundred miles an hour you can do that and if you start to think about the capabilities of doing just that drone testing and then being able to have other types of companies, some government, some private, be able to come into this location and conduct their testing without any interference from space, then you've got the right location. So we're currently working on building a test bed as well as currently work through our test methodology internally and for the government. Now, one of the things that this location does not have today is access to high-speed fiber. So we've actually applied for a grant that can allow us to build fiber infrastructure near the facility and build out to that facility and then also provide services either via our own internet service provider or other internet service providers to get high-speed, reliable connectivity to those remote locations. So with that, you know, as you can tell, it's very important to have in these remote locations, something that is connected that is reliable via a fiber optic connection, and then also be able to partner with the other carriers that are out there in the space. And with that, I'll turn it over to Sachin. Thank you, Rob. Uh, before I start on talking a little bit about the Travel Broadband Connectivity Program, I just wanted to provide a little bit of context. Uh, Centronet is working with the uh, Sac and Fox Nation of Oklahoma, uh, building their network uh, here in their tribal lands. Uh, and that network is being built uh, through the TBCP program. Uh, we won a grant uh, in the round one uh, of it. 
Uh, and as you see over here on the slide, uh, the round one had initially a $1 billion budget out of the CARES Act, and then an additional $1 billion was added to it uh, uh, from the Infrastructure Act to make the total budget $2 billion. And of that, 191 awards have been made. Uh, there are over 284 participating tribal governments, and it is covering almost 160,000 estimated tribal households. So the eligibility for the TBCP program is tribal governments, tribal colleges or universities, the Department of Hawaiian Homelands, uh, tribal organizations, and native corporations as defined under the Section 3 of Alaska Native Claims Settlement Act. Um, so in most circumstances, if you're doing a de deployment pr uh, program, uh, then you'll have to be a tribal government deploying within your uh, uh, tribal territory. So this is the one of the most important slides of my part of the presentation. Uh, this is the round two of the one billion dollar with the one billion dollar budget of the TBCP program that was announced July 27th, 2023. There's a typo there, uh, and then the submission deadline is January 23rd of next year. So there's a little over uh, three months uh, left to plan for it, uh, design your applications, and apply for it. Uh, this is what was what I was told by the NTI that this is how they will prioritize applications in round two. So specifically, if there are department, there's a Department of Hawaiian Homelands that are putting in applications, they will receive uh, first priority. UA projects are use and adoption, so any standalone use and adoption project that does not receive funding in round one will receive funding in round two. ID is infrastructure development, so standalone infrastructure development uh, projects for planning, uh, or uh, ED is engineering and design uh, awardees in round one. So essentially in round one, if you had a planning or ED award, then uh, you would be prioritized for an infrastructure deployment pro project, uh, followed by a standalone infrastructure development pro uh, project uh, that did not receive funding in round one, dual ID and UA projects that did not receive funding in round one, and then remaining awards for eligible uh, engineering and design recipients. Finally, if there's still funding available, then NTI will consider infrastructure uh, deployment awards for round one award recipients. So if you have already received an award and you're applying again for more money, you're at the bottom of that list. Um, what this priority list really means is that if you were part of round one and if you had put in uh, an engineering and design uh, project that was awarded, there's a high chance that if you put in a deployment project this time over based off your designs, uh, there's a high chance that you would win it. Uh, and then so on, so on down that list. So as you are designing your projects as you, uh, for submission for this grant application, there are some resources uh, that you should uh, uh, take make use of. The Tribal Broadband Leaders Network with NTIA uh, is probably the most important resource that you can have. Uh, if you want to be part of it, all you have to do is email tbln at ntia.gov. Uh, I want to make sure that you understand you have to be a tribal government to become part of the Tribal Broadband Leaders Network or at least need to be eligible for the TBCP awards uh, to become part of the uh, TBLN network. So uh, if you are, go ahead and email them and they will make you part of that. The Fiber Broadband Association has a tribal roundtable 
We have 27 members and are growing. Uh, as we grow, we will push out uh, educational material. We will push out uh, uh, things that you can use to design and deploy your network. So become part of our uh, tribal roundtable and uh, instructions on how that would, how you can do that would be available at the end of this uh, webinar. You can download the notice of funding opportunity for the round two at the web link that is down there. And then if you have not started planning your broadband networks, uh, you can download a planning toolkit, which is provided by NTIA. It's a very, very useful toolkit. It allows you to understand uh, how to move forward in the design and deployment of the networks that you're envisioning for your tribal uh, lands. That is all I had. Thank you very much. Well, thanks, Sachin and Rob. So, Rob, just to start with um, Choctaw, that that's like the third largest Indian nation, right? With like over 200, like maybe 212,000 members. That sound right? You're right, Gary. We're the third largest tribal nation in the United States, and on that slide in that quadrant in South Oklahoma, there's approximately 250,000 in member or in population in that area of which about a third is comprised of Choctaw members. And so the area itself is classified as a reservation. And so not only do we work with the existing carriers, but we work to reach those areas that are currently unserved as well. Okay, so that's the size of Massachusetts, 250,000. I don't know if I, is that families or? Uh, homes somewhere in that area or, or yeah so population entire population is 250,000 and we're running our analytics throughout the reservation to understand who's out there and what we see is the area itself is starting to get abandoned by the youth so for yeah. instance you know a, a person might go through K through 12, they might attend a university locally, they might get trained, and then once they do that, they leave the area or come work for us for a short time and then, you know, sometimes leave and come back. But typically, the youth of the rural Oklahoma area, once they leave, they have a hard time coming back. And so with the building of fiber broadband into those areas, we're confident based on other statistics that we've seen that we know that we'll be able to grow families and communities much faster. So if you just take your reservation, for example, um, so what is the density of subscribers? I mean, so if you're covering like the size of Massachusetts with call it a hundred thousand homes, I mean, that's pretty low density. Yeah, it is really low density, Gary. Um, what happens is when you look at that map, you can see some small towns and communities and within those small towns and communities, you might have two or three choices possibly. But once you get outside of those small towns by even half a mile, the type of connectivity that everyone has access to diminishes quickly. And when that happens, you know, for instance, since we work remotely in a lot of cases, we might have employees that live a couple of miles, five miles, 10 miles outside of the headquarters location in Durant, Oklahoma, but because they don't have good connectivity, they can't work remotely. And so it limits the ability for us to hire some people sometimes. Right. So we're working hard to resolve that. So what about, so you, you are connecting your community centers with fiber. 
is that then are you able to then do your like electric substations and smart grid and schools libraries public safety five i mean are just that give you the starting point for getting new critical infrastructure in and yeah, and that's a great question because, you know, in some of these locations where our community centers were, there was no other fiber or fiber that was inaccessible. So when we invested in a ROI TCO model to build all 17 community centers into the region, that allowed carriers to be able to come in and serve that area, either schools, universities, businesses, or fiber to the home projects that they just couldn't afford to do without that. So we essentially help build the middle mile infrastructure through our our projects just to, just with the community center project alone. So Sustin, you, you mentioned you know one or two billion dollars for tribal broadband, uh, but you also have Oklahoma has money for BEAD. How does BEAD work together with the tribal money, and how does that kind of how can that's a very good question. Serve these that's a very good members. question, Gary. Um, so, uh, for the bead money uh, is going to be distributed by the states. It's federal money, but it comes in, into the states. The states are required to have tribal consultations with tribes so that the desires of the tribes are incorporated within their bead plans before this money flows from the federal government to the state government and then to the subrecipients from it. So. My advice to tribal governments in other states is that if they have not started talking to their state broadband offices, uh, uh, talk to them, create those relationships, uh, have your tribal consultations with them, and within those tribal consultations, ensure that your local federal program officer from NTIA, every state has one, is included, and both your state broadband office as well as your local federal program officer from NTIA understands what the desire is of that particular tribe in that region. So we saw in California's um, middle mile was the real, you know, kind of long point pole to get um, broadband out to tribal communities just because it was, there was no middle mile facilities and they, the, the state put in, I think about $8 billion to build out a state middle mile. Is that the, is that the long pole? Is it middle mile? What's it gonna take to get everybody served in tribal areas? It is actually a much more expansive problem in Oklahoma. So middle mile exists in Oklahoma, but in not so much in rural areas. And most uh, issues for tribal nations are going to be in rural areas. If there is a town, just like Rob said, you have access, you have one or two or three providers that at least are providing you with access. It's really in the rural areas where you don't have access. Uh, so. Uh, as we are building a plan for middle mile here in Oklahoma, and uh, there are some conversations within the broadband governing board over here, as well as the Oklahoma broadband office, uh, where they're trying to figure out how to come up with a statewide plan for middle mile that really empowers and enables this last mile network that they're envisioning to build. Uh, so it'll happen. Uh, we just don't know what the plan is yet. So as more tribes are trying to figure this out, they should join your working group, the fiber broadband, tribal broadband working group. What are the things that you discussed and what, I mean, it sounds like you can help them build their capital stacks and show them where money is. And what are the kind of things that they would learn by joining your group? Absolutely. You know, from as, uh, things as simple as just defining uh, what 
uh, areas in within your tribal boundaries uh, are would be most in need of uh, broadband uh, going all the way into ensuring that they have the right connections that will allow them to do design and engineering and preparation for the grant. Uh, the NTIA grants are extremely competitive. Uh, as Rob would tell you, uh, there is no guarantee that a submission will allow you to win. Essentially, you're competing with other tribes and there are over 500 tribes in uh, America. So uh, uh, when you join the Fiber Broadband's Tribal Roundtable, uh, you're able to access resources that allow you uh, at the very least to uh, apply for these grants in a more efficient manner and even past that uh, be able to do things that, uh, with other providers uh, as you're building your network once you actually win your grants. Well Sachin and Robert I really appreciate you joining us today and really um, thankful for your tribal broadband leadership at the Fiber Broadband Association and your leadership in the industry you know we really appreciate your efforts to help us better understand the tribal broadband opportunities and challenges. And really, I think if you look at the biggest opportunity for digital equity, uh, if we can really you know, address tribal broadband, I think that will really, really close that digital divide across our nation. So thank you again for that work. And I wanna thank our audience for joining us today and look forward to getting back together next Wednesday for Fiber Breakfast with Kirsten um, McKeish the Chief People Officer at Finley Engineering to discuss the broadband boom, meeting talent challenges with success. You're not gonna to wanna to miss that. So thanks everyone, we'll see you guys next Wednesday.